Welcome back to Throwing Hands, the best MMA podcast in the world. I'm Jacob Janoski. Alongside me is Daniel. Is Daniel, how you doing? Daniel, or I just called you. Just tried to call you Daniel. That's that's the <laughs> mind frame that I'm in. Jacob, I'm doing quite well, other than the fact that I'm completely scatterbrained at this moment. But you know, there's there's fights to talk about, and and it's a heavyweight main event. So uh, there's there's always good times when that happens. There are always good times. All right. So we're going to go over one or two events in the prelims. We have some throwing hands magic potentially here. Nate Landwehr versus Julian Arosa. Nate Landwehr coming off a good win a couple couple of months ago. And then, you know, against – oh, no, he didn't fight. I forgot about that. But I forgot the fight got canceled. But then Julian Arosa coming off a Darce choke win and his comeback in the UFC. What are your thoughts on this matchup, Daniel? Uh, an entertaining fight coming up. I like Nate Landwehr. I think he's extremely talented, but we had a really good conversation with Julian Arosa. And like you said, he was in the, in the midst of that comeback uh, with uh, a couple of now, or excuse me, he had a couple uh, submission wins in 2020, had that bounce back into the UFC. Like you said, Darce choke over Sean Woodson. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see him get back out there. Uh, he's won two in a row now, uh, both by submission, which is not something uh, that he had really done in a little while. He hadn't submitted somebody in going on three years when he won in that fight at Cage Sport back in February and then bounced back into the UFC on short notice and tapped out Sean Woods and got a performance of the night, and he's going to be sticking around. So I, I like Arosa in this one, I think. I think he's kind of figured out exactly what it means for him in the UFC after that three-fight losing streak, got a little bit humbled, Went back, went back to his roots, picked up a victory there after a pretty long layoff, and then got back into the UFC. I think he's in a legitimate position to, to start moving back up because, uh, to be completely honest, uh, before that three-fight losing streak, we hadn't seen all that much out of him because uh, he had come off the contender series, never won a fight in the UFC, and got cut. So uh, I think he's a guy, after talking to him, that values this second chance, and I think he's going to make the most of it. Definitely. All right. Two predictions in this one. I'm going to take Julian Rosa by decision. I, I He's just a lot bigger than Landwehr, and I think he gets the job done. What about you, my man? Uh, I'm on the same page as you with that. Uh, Landwehr, I, I agree, I think is is a talented guy. And he's a very good, uh, very good fighter, to be completely honest. But I think Julian Rosa is legit right now as far as somebody that's going to stay in the UFC roster, and I think he's going to pick up the win. All righty, to the main event, not the main event, the main card, first bout of the main card, the man, the myth, the legend, that is Andre Arlovsky versus, I think, one of the brightest heavyweight prospects coming up in Tom Aspinall. These guys are going to be really slugging it out, and this fight's not coming out of the first round. What do you have to say about that? 
Yeah, I agree. And I'm a big fan of both of these guys. Arlovsky is, uh, of course, everything that you expect him to be. Former UFC heavyweight champion, uh, is still fighting an extremely high level. He's He's got 49 uh, decisions on, on his professional record at 30 and 19. So I think Arlovsky is obviously a huge test for Tom Aspinall. Uh, again, it's not been exactly smooth sailing of recent uh, for Andre Arlovsky, but uh, when you're as old as he is, he's 42. That That's kind of what happens. But still, he's on a two-fight win streak. That's that's the thing. He's a massive underdog in this fight, at least according to Vegas, against Tom Aspinall. And he's still on a two-fight win streak. He hasn't lost uh, since he got knocked out by Yarzino Rosenstruck back in 2019. He was 2-0 and in 2020. And I think he's going to come out firing for, for an opportunity in 2021 uh, to prove that he's at least still a top 15 guy. But uh, you move on to Tom Aspinall. Uh, came up through cage warriors that's produced so many of the best european fighters in the ufc he's 2-0 in the ufc and neither one of those fights have gotten out of the first two minutes i I think we're in for a very very exciting fight even though i don't think it's going to last very long yeah i have to agree with you there i think it's just going to be you know whatever you said the other night on the podcast that made somebody question what we were doing um Oh, that 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 term's gonna get brought up at the main event. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll throw it out now. I'll, I'll throw it out now. Heavyweight division of the UFC. Big meaty men slapping meat. That's exactly what it is, man. It, it, that's what ninety percent of the of the UFC heavyweight division is right now. Just because it's it's massive dudes who are beating the crap out of each other. That's what you get with guys that big. And to be completely honest, it's a pretty fitting statement. Uh, so uh, you know. It has nothing to do with anything other than the way that these guys fight. It's it's just big dudes that are strong and have massive frames going at each other with a bunch of power. And that's that's the way it goes in the UFC heavyweight division right now. Yeah. Uh, shout out to JIT8976 uh, for giving us that two-star review after saying that statement. Um, <laughs> I told everybody to give a five-star review on twitter the other day we ended up getting a couple more one stars oh well oh <laughs> it's, it's it. but we're doing all right we're doing all right all right to the next uh, event of the evening phil haas versus a emma emma i'm not even going to try to pronounce that first name uh, that'd be a disservice to this guy but these this will be a banger you got emma more of a grappler and philip haas who uh Julian Marquez, our main man, knocked out um, in order to get into the UFC. So this is an interesting mix of styles. Um, you know, if Imamov takes us to the ground, I think he wins. Foz stands up, I think he wins. But this will be interesting to watch. What do you have to say about this one? Uh, yeah, I think this is a, a classic case where you've got a couple guys coming up that you're trying to figure out necessarily what you have in them. And you, you pit guys with different styles against each other to see how they adjust to those kind of situations. Uh, like you said, it, it was Philip Haas that got knocked out by, by Julian Marquez uh, on his opportunity to, to really break through. Uh, Haas ended up bouncing back uh, on the Contender Series a couple of years later in 2020, back in September, and picked up a first-round knockout and then fought just over a month later and knocked out Jacob Malkoon in 18 seconds. So uh, Haas is a guy that has has really kind of turned things on its head ever since that Contender Series loss. That was only his, uh, I believe, his fifth fight as a professional 
and it was his second loss in a row and his third in in four fights uh including a fight on the ultimate fighter so uh you look at philip oz and it looks like that julian marquez loss really turned some things around for him because he's won five in a row including a doctor stoppage win in his bellator debut he gets that opportunity on the contender series makes the most of it and then hammers one out in in his ufc debut as well uh, he looks he's looked great and i have to give him credit for that meanwhile you've got imamov uh, across imavov excuse me uh, across the way and he's another guy on a long fight win streak uh he made his ufc debut uh, around the same time that hawes did uh back in october and won by a unanimous decision and had won four of his his last five fights excuse me including some really impressive submissions there so like you said different styles uh, both young guys looking for an opportunity both in their second fight in the ufc i think they both have a chance to have really bright futures but i think one of them is going to have an opportunity to, to really make some noise quickly if they pull this one out yeah I, i'm not even going to add anything to what you said oh and shout out uh philip Paz out of sanford mma shout out greg jones real quick um yeah so predictions. I'm gonna take Hawes by knockout here. I think I think he's a man on a mission with these with this swing streak that he's got going on, and I don't see that changing. What about you? I'm with you on that as well. Hawes with a KO. All right, to more uh, big meaty men slapping meat. Alexei Olenek versus uh, Chris Dawkins. Chris Dawkins, some of the fastest hands in this division. He's a lot of fun to watch. And Alexei Olenek, this will be his 75th. <laughs> professional f- MMA fight. That's 59 disgusting. wins. I think he ha- I think he has about uh some cra- I think he has about 50 submissions. And he's 44 46 46, 46 submissions. submissions. He's 44 I believe and he's st- and he wants to fight for seven or eight more years he says. This guy's insane. What are your thoughts on this matchup? Because this is – if Chris Dawkins goes to the ground, he might as well just tap before he gets uh, choked out. Yeah, I mean, this is a big opportunity for Chris Dawkins, who is fighting a guy, believe it or not, that's 12 years older than him. I mean, you look at what he's done so far, and he's not done a whole lot in the UFC – uh, but he's still 2-0 and in that time, and he's beaten uh, some young guys with some talent. He's beaten Parker Porter uh, as well as, as Rodrigo Nascimento Ferreira, who, who are both very talented young guys. So uh, you look at Chris Dacus, and he's 10-3 and as a pro. Uh, he's he's a really well-built guy. You know, the, the last time he weighed in, he came in at 6'2", 262 pounds, uh, which I think is, is really good for a heavyweight, particularly with how quick his hands are. Uh, he causes a lot of issues for people because he packs such a quick punch that does have a little bit of oomph behind it. And then you look across at Alexi Olenek and there's not a whole lot to say about him. Uh, you, you, uh, you look at even his, his accolades outside of mixed martial arts, the things uh, that he's been through that, that make him as good as he is. Uh, he's an international master of sport and combat Sambo. He's a fourth degree black belt in jujitsu, a black belt in Brazilian jujitsu. Uh, this guy does absolutely everything you want on the ground and if he sticks you with a hand you're you're still going to be in big trouble you're talking about a guy at 44 that stands in 6'2 235 pounds and is is still going at this kind of rate and at one point in his career 
was fighting as a middleweight. So uh, there's not much Alexi Olenek hasn't done. It, it's going to be a huge test for Chris Daukas, especially this early. But he's the favorite in this fight. And if he can pull it out, I think it makes him a legitimate prospect to break into the top 10 very soon. Yeah, I have to agree with what you said there with Chris Dockus. I mean, this is a huge, huge step up for him. He's he's fairly new to the to the UFC, and he's already fighting the number 10th ranked guy. So Dana White and the matchmakers must see something really special in him, and I do too. His, his hands are phenomenal. And so on to predictions, I'm going to take the Ukrainian expat, Alexei Olenek, to win this fight. I think this is a too big of a step for Dockus. Could Dockus make some noise in this division? Absolutely. I have no question. He might, I bet you he could uh, be a top five guy one day. But I think Alexi Olenek takes us by submission. What do you have to say? You know, I came in thinking this was this was Olenek, and I don't I don't like betting against him. But to be completely honest, I talked myself into into Chris Dawkins, <laughs> so I'm going to take him in this one. Did you know that um, Alexi Olenek fought Chael Sonnen back in 2006? I'm not surprised. Like fun fact, fun fact. That's I'm, that's amazing. That's that's great. <laughs> the undefeated Chael P. Sonnen. There you go. <laughs> never lost. That's never amazing. lost a round. That's that's wonderful. <laughs> All right. Two a grab a nice grappling match up here. Charles Rosa versus Derek Minner. Charles Rosa is as good as it gets when it comes to grappling. Um, very very highly skilled jujitsu guy. And Derek Minner, he's kind of just everywhere. Uh, he tries to do a little too much at some sometimes. That's why I've noticed when I watch him. But he's a lot of fun to watch. I'll tell you that. Really fun matchup here. What do you have to say about this one? Uh, I think this is going to be a really interesting fight because uh, Charles Rosa uh, had a really didn't actually have a really good start to his UFC career. He had a really good start as a pro. He started out his career nine and zero, bouncing back and forth between three divisions. Then he comes to the UFC and lost his first fight and has alternated wins and losses his entire time. He's fought some really talented guys. His losses, three of his losses, his last three, I should say, are to Yair Rodriguez, Shane Burgos, and Bryce Mitchell. There's nothing to to complain about there. Uh, But he just hasn't gotten really that marquee win yet to this point. And then on the opposite side, uh, you've got a guy in Derek Minner who is – more new to the UFC and has followed a similar path to Charles Rosa, at least to start where he lost his first fight in the UFC on UFC on ESPN plus 27 uh, back in February, but then pulled out an impressive first round, uh, first round submission win against TJ Laramie with a guillotine choke uh, back in September. Uh, These are two guys that, bring interesting things to the table. Rosa obviously uh, gets the majority of his work done on the ground, and, and that's where Minner thrives as well. Uh, his last, let me count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen 10, 11, 12, 13 wins as the professional fighter have been by submission going back all the way to 2015. So if this fight goes to the ground, it might be the most entertaining of the night. Yeah, definitely. This is, if you like grappling, I know some people really don't just want to see uh, big guys or anybody just throwing hands, but um, if you, if you like, if you like, uh, grappling i mean this is your matchup all right predictions i'm uh, taking before, I, was, I just want to say one thing before we move on to that uh but before we move on to prediction um I, I would like to point out that uh derek minner's last fight before he came to the ufc um is is the wonderfully named dynasty combat sports 
57 seasons beatings 2019 <laughs> from December of 2019. The, and that's a fight card that it appears started. Oh, okay. Never mind. Uh, never mind. But uh, 15 fights on that card. Derek Minner winning the, uh, winning the uh, main event and holding on to his dynasty combat sports uh, featherweight championship. I, I was, I was uh, looking at uh, Derek Minner's uh, like record and such. He's fought for some interesting, interesting prom- promotions. Uh, there's, there's one I, can't, I forget what it was called. I gotta look this up now. I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna really kill myself. I mean, he's been all over the place. I mean, he's fought for LFA for several years. He fought for for Victory FC. Uh, he was, he was in there with Dynasty Combat Sports at Seasons Beatings. Uh, he, he's been all over the place. Oh, here we go. Uh, April of 2013, uh, disorderly conduct 18, <laughs> spring brawl. Man, oh. I we need to just do an episode or something looking at like just these regional promotions and, and just get into them. I'd, I'd be down. Let's let's figure that out. He also had one. He also fought for hard not hard knocks, but the logo is some knuckles as the O. So I thought it was hard knucks. I'm like, oh, that's that's creative. Uh, oh, I thought I'm like, mm. close enough. Missed opportunity there. All right, predictions. Close enough. I'm, I'm taking Rosa by decision. What do you have to say? Uh, I'm gonna take Rosa by decision as well. I think uh, matched up with Minner, he may try to keep it on the feet a little bit more than he would normally, and I think that lends to a decision finish. All right, to the co-main event of the evening: Ketlin Vieira versus. Yana Kunitskaya. Yana Kunitskaya. Uh, her last fight was might be might have been the most boring fight I've ever seen, but she got the job done. And Ketlin Vieira, she's she's a killer, man. I think she could make some some noise in this bantamweight division. But if if Yana Kunitskaya just gets a hold of her and grinds it out, there's no way Vieira is gonna win this. Um, what do you have to say about this matchup? This could be interesting if Vieira uh, gets the uh, gets the momentum her way, but if Kaniska gets the momentum her way, it's going to be a boring one. It's so hard to get away from Yana Kaniska. It, it, it really is. And I think that's going to be a big problem for Ketlin Vieta in this one. Uh, you know, these are two two fighters that you don't really hear about uh, all that much as big-time contenders, but they're both really experienced, actually, uh, with Vieta being on the on the UFC roster going back to 2016. And Kanitskaya. Uh, really being one of the very first uh, women in this division coming into the UFC and making her debut fighting Chris Cyborg for the featherweight title. Of course, she got uh, knocked out in the first round of that fight. Uh, but these are two fighters that have kind of helped build uh, the the women's bantamweight division, I guess you would say at this point, as, as Kanitska has been back and forth. Uh, but I think it's really interesting to see them square off now as they've sort of started to fall back a little bit more in their careers, not necessarily Vieta in that regard, because she's only got one loss to a professional record. She's 11 and one. She just haven't, hasn't fought all that often having only fought, I, I believe six times since coming into the UFC in 2016. Uh, so uh, you look at these two and it, it's really kind of a diverse mix of styles because Kanitska has just kind of try to grind this one out. Uh, whereas you've got uh, Ketlin Vieta, who's so good on the ground with her Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I-, I think this is an interesting matchup, and I think if anybody's going to combat what Kanitska does so well, I think Ketlin Vieta might have a really good chance. Yeah, I can't disagree with anything you said there. Um, so I guess we'll go to predictions. Um, 
It, this is a tough one for me. I think the head is so good, but you know, Kunitskaya fights out of Jackson Winklejaw in MMA. She 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 trains with Holly Holm and all. She trains with just some killers and Vieira. I'm sure I'm sure does too. I, I don't remember. I can't think of what team she uh, works with. I gotta look that up real quick. Um, but I think yeah, she works uh, she works with somebody in Brazil, but. I'm going to take Vahena in this one. I'm just going to go out on a limb. I think she she has phenomenal grappling, black belts in jiu-jitsu and judo. Uh, she, she's she's great. I think she she has a chance to become a champion if she she does well today, uh, to, uh, tomorrow rather. But what are your predictions? I like Vieta as well. I think she's got a great chance to, to kind of make her stamp in this fight and make herself a legitimate top five. All righty. To the main event of the evening. Dan, you want to do the honors with uh, the, the quote? Because we know what this is. It's big meaty men slapping meat, my friend. Uh, yes. You got Curtis Blades going up against Derek Lewis. I mean, what else could you want? <laughs> what else could you want? Curtis Blades coming off a win against Alexander Volkov and Derek Lewis coming off a win against uh, Alexei Olenek, almost getting scarful, choked out of there. And then, oh, buddy. And then uh, Curtis Blades uh, basically wrestling his way to a win. Both of these guys have wins against Alexander Volkov. Uh, Derek Lewis coming back from the shadow realm to do so back in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. What are, what's your thoughts on this matchup? I mean, this is this is either going to be the most entertaining fight of the night, or it's going to absolutely suck. There's there's no way this is this is going to go any other direction because either Curtis Blades is just going to take Derek Lewis down and grind him into a fine powder, or these guys are just going to swap hands for you know three minutes and somebody's going to get knocked out. I don't find it there to be much uh, consideration for it going another direction. So. Uh, you look at these two guys, and and really, they can both wrestle, and they can both uh, stand a bang. So I think this is going to be a really entertaining fight. Obviously, Lewis, uh, with the power in his hands, I think is going to have an advantage on the feet, and obviously, Blades is going to have an advantage on the ground as a junior college national champion wrestler who, like I said, has has made his hay in the UFC, just taking guys down and absolutely just – destroying them and and grinding them into the into the mat for for three rounds five rounds however long the fight is and it's an interesting matchup it's one we haven't seen before it's one i've wanted to see for a little while and i think it's going to help decide some things at the top of the uh, at the top of the heavyweight division obviously with john jones coming in these guys have got skipped in line pretty much and i think they're both going to be determined to prove that whenever that john jones fight happen happens i should say uh, that they're the next ones in line yeah i have to agree with you there i think with this this fight could go either way. If this goes to the ground, uh, Blades is going to win it. But I think Blades has to, has to end it early uh, because if this goes in the fifth round, Derek Lewis is going to come back from the shadow realm and win this. There's no doubt in my mind, doubt in my mind because he always looks like he's going to lose. And when you think he's going to lose, he wins. So that that's my take on it. Uh, what what are your sort of keys for this one? You think? I'm on the same page. I think Blades. Uh, it needs to needs to probably take care of this early because when you get a desperate Derek Lewis, you find yourself in a very dangerous position. All right, predictions. Here's how I see the fight going. Fourth round, Der- uh, Curse Blades ends the round on top, and then back into the fifth round, it's the same way. But they- Derek Lewis is going to find some way to get up, and he's just going to blast Curtis Blades in the jaw 
two and a half minutes into the fifth round. I got Derek Lewis by knockout. What do you have to say? Curtis Blades, second round TKO. <laughs> it could really go either way. Yeah, uh, it could. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to be completely honest. That's the way I see this fight going because I think we're seeing a Curtis Blades that legitimately thinks he can be the UFC heavyweight champion, and I think we're going to see that opportunity for him very soon. I listened to his interview with Helwani and Curtis Blades doesn't like Derek Lewis's humor. What, what kind of maniac are you to not appreciate the humor of Derek Lewis? It's, it's really shameful. He said that Derek Lewis takes the low hanging fruit. I'm like, well, he, it's just his delivery. I think his delivery is hilarious. Not what he says necessarily. His delivery. Completely deadpan. (laughs) My balls was hot. (laughs) Um, Fight news, Bilal Muhammad to fight Leon Edwards on March 13th. I cannot wait for this fight. This is going to be This is going to be awesome. Great. I mean, I'm just I just I'm just curious about what's going to happen to Leon Edwards because he hasn't fought in so long. It's it's going to be tough for him. I mean, he's 29. I mean, it's it helps when you're young for sure, but you know, Bilal Muhammad, he's ranked 13th. He could his cardio is off the cha- off the charts. So, I'm I'm interested to see what what are your thoughts on this one, man. Uh, this is really interesting because you've got you've got Muhammad stepping in, and he looked great against Diego Lima. He's won four straight, and he's looked good the entire way. And I think it'll be really interesting for that for that matchup to come down because it is a really big step up for Bilal Muhammad because Leon Edwards is a legitimate title contender at at 29. Like you said, he's still got the majority of his prime in front of him, and he was really angling for a title shot. Uh, before the world shut down and he's not fought since July of 2019 uh, but uh, he's he's extremely talented and you look back through his history and the only guy that he has lost to in the UFC other than Claudio Silva in his debut is Kamar Usman and, and I think that's an opportunity that he's really going to want to avenge that loss and be the man that takes the belt away from him so I think uh, Leon Edwards with a win here as long as Usman settles his score with Jorge Masvidal in the next title fight and wins that one, I think Leon Edwards is legitimately the next contender for the UFC uh, welterweight title if he pulls out a win against Bilal Muhammad. Meanwhile, if Bilal Muhammad beats Leon Edwards, then that's a huge step up in competition for him, and he solidifies himself probably top eight in that division, maybe even higher. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a. It's a win-win situation for Muhammad because he moves up anyway after that fight if he if he shows something good. But when Leon Edwards, he's in a he's in a tough position. Like he he didn't have to take this fight to be honest, but he wants to fight. And if he wins, I would expect him to get the next title shot, unless they decide, hey, Colby Covington's the money fight, which I wouldn't blame them to be honest. I like I want to see Colby Covington fight Usman again. Who doesn't want to see that? It was one of the best fights of 2019, but. Anyway, it's it's exciting. It's it's it's, it's a me- welterweight division is a mess. I mean, Colby Covington claims that he and Masvidal were offered seven figures to coach Tough, and Masvidal said no. But what can you say? Do you see? Uh, did you see his comments about moving up the middleweight potentially? Who Covington? Uh, oh, you you were talking about Colby Covington. I was talking about Usman. Never mind. No, yeah, move on. If, move yeah, on. If Adesanya decides to leave the division if he if he would permanently go to 205 he would consider moving to 185 
Speaking of 205, Adesanya uh, goes in about 200 pounds on on fight night, and Jan Blahovich is probably about 230. That's going to be interesting to watch. And that's, I think, that's a big that's a big change. And I think I think everybody's looking over Jan. I'm <laughs> I would be terrified to fight him. He's a champion for a reason, and. Uh, Polish power, baby. Polish power. Yeah. I'm all in on the Polish power. I don't know if you're I, in on I will the Polish say this power, is, but I am. I, I am. I, I'm, I'm a big Blahovich fan, and I'm a big Adesanya fan too, though. So that, that's going to be a tough fight for me to decide a pick on when we get there. This is something I wanted to run by you because uh, we, we talked about this this off the air after Usman was so dominant against Burns. Uh, but this is this is a direct quote from uh, what he said in the uh, – in. The, the same interview that I was talking about where he talked about moving up to 185 if Adesanya sticks at 205. Uh, he said, I've stated it over and over and over before. I'd rather there be two Africans with belts as opposed to one African with two belts. And you know, after March, there's going to be three Africans with four belts. So it's a good time to be an African. Good time. And I think that's that's something that has really flown under the radar in recent years is – uh, how much of an emerging market and emerging trend there is in the UFC uh, of so many African fighters having a lot of success. You've got Kamaru Usman, obviously, Israel Adesanya is the other guy he talks about. And then you've got Francis Ngannou fighting for the, uh, for the UFC heavyweight title again. I wanted to just run that by you because uh, we've seen so many different things with the UFC over the years. You know, obviously it was the Brazilians uh, with the Brazilian jiu-jitsu style and the Gracies when things first started out with the UFC. And then you've seen Japanese fighters, Chinese fighters, Russian fighters. And now it looks like uh, the the African uh, MMA development, I guess you could say, is really starting to rise in the UFC uh, with, with Usman and Nganu and Adesanya potentially holding four title belts by the end of March. I think that's something that we haven't really talked about and hasn't really been talked about in the media. Yeah, we do have to talk about this. And then, you know, if you go up to the featherweight division, you got Sadiq Yusuf sitting there at number 10, a bright young prospect in that division. And I think he, he has the potential to become a, a very nice contender. And now, do I think there will be four belts in Africa? Unfortunately, I do not. I think it will stay two. But I hope they prove me wrong. I think that would be awesome for Africa. You know, all those kids over there need some need some role models. And, you know, if they see, you know, people like Usman, Adesanya, and uh, – and uh, especially Francis Ngannou, like that's that's uh, that's motivation right there. But will there be four? I don't think so. But th- these guys are really making some making some headway over there. And I think, like you said, it doesn't it doesn't get talked about enough. There are lots of African prospects that have been coming up as of late, and it's really it's entertaining to watch. I'm- yeah, and. And again, none of those guys were, were necessarily trained in Africa. They were, but they were all born there. Adesanya moving to New Zealand, uh, uh, Usman moving to the United States, both when they were kids. Uh, but still, like you said, I think uh, the ability to have, have that kind of role model uh, for kids is, is something that I, I think is really important as the UFC tries to make this more of a, an international brand because – uh, for the longest time, it was just like the United States and Brazil were the only places that cared about MMA. And I don't think that's the truth anymore. It really is 
becoming more of a worldwide sport. And, and Africa is really one of the last frontiers for that, I guess you could say, uh, because we've seen it become popular all over Asia, uh, all over Europe as well, and, and moving into Russia. And now with Volkanovski and Adesanya as champions, uh, you've got it uh, in, in Oceania and New Zealand and, and Australia. So if it can expand even further uh, than it already has in Africa, I think uh, you can really start talking about the UFC as a, or MMA in general, I should say, as a global sport that you can find anywhere you go. I th- I think it already is a global sport. I mean, over the past few years, I mean, there is o- currently only one American champion, and it's Stipe Miocic. That's true. And you have a Brazilian. You have a, a Shevchenko is from Kazakhstan, right? Uh, I think so. Yes, I believe. And so. you have Zhang Weili from China, Adesani from and Usman from Nigeria, Blahovich from Poland. Habib from Russia, Volkanovski from New Zealand, Jan from Russia, Figueroa from Brazil. And it's like, and if you look at these guys, I think there's uh, only. Shevchenko's, Shevchenko's from Kyrgyzstan. Sorry. Uh, Kyrgyzstan. Uh, okay. Uh, and then there's, I think there's only, there's four guys and four Americans in the men's pound for pound. So, you know, Americans don't necessarily dominate the sport whatsoever. There's more. There's more New Zealand champions than there are American champions right now. And there's more yeah. Russian champions and Brazilian champions than there are American champions. It's, it's, I think it's phenomenal that, you know, yeah. you have all, all this reach, this in, impeccable reach and, you know, Blahovich for Eastern Europe and, and everything. So it's, I think, I think it's already global. And uh, is I mean, that, there is not, there, there are, I don't think, sports other than than MMA and and soccer other than like track and field that you could say is is played or or people compete in on every continent other than Antarctica yeah maybe maybe boxing maybe boxing yeah yeah but you don't see boxers coming out of Asia very often right I mean the only Australian boxer I can think of was the guy who somehow defeated Pacquiao in that one fight in Australia uh, to win the title belt a few years ago. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. But like, and then I know boxing is huge in Europe. I mean, you have Tyson Fury over there. I mean, <laughs> the Gypsy King, but yeah, it's, but, but you know what I'm getting at? Yeah. I know what like you're getting there, at. there are very, there are very few global sports that you can say are, are, are play are done everywhere. And, and MMA has become one of them. I would say in the last 10 years. Yeah, especially now it's not, you know, rec, you know, rec sports everywhere. You know what I mean? But everybody from everywhere can do this. It doesn't take much. Just got to find some people who want to fight. And that's really what you get. And it's, you know, like, like, and there's, you know, different martial arts in different places. And it's not just a uniform sport. There's just, it's diversity is incredible. And like, you know, one of the best bandweights in the world is from Georgia, the country of Georgia. Like, come on. It's crazy. It's it's crazy. So yeah, uh, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about. I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, Bellator's coming out with rankings now. Hey, ao. We got new developments. Yes, we do. Um, I don't know when they're gonna. Ooh, there's it's just a whole bunch of MMA junkie guys doing the rankings. Uh. South China Morning Post. Oh, that's Hong Kong. That's that's all right. MMA report. Yeah, you have some interesting people doing this. Um, but 
I mean, I'm not, we talked about this last week, but I can't wait for this Grand Prix in Bellator. This is going to be incredible. Uh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Um, and uh, before before we really finish up here, I do think uh, it was something I want to mention earlier that I just kind of glossed over. Um, I, I think it is worth mentioning uh, that Derek Lewis is is everything going on in the state of Texas right now with uh, with with winter weather causing so many problems there, cold snaps, freezing temperatures, knocking out electricity all over the state. Uh, you know his. Uh, family obviously uh, from Houston. He's he's saying that has said I should say that they've not dealt with uh, a ton of issues as his family, but uh, you know he's 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 fully aware of everything going on in his home state. And I think uh, with with his city uh, being out of power for for a good bit of this week, and there really being a crisis across his home state, I think that's another level of motivation that I think you've got to look at here. Derek Lewis, uh, we've seen in the past as a guy that thrives off that kind of motivation. So maybe I undersold his ability to come out against Curtis, Curtis Blades in this fight, uh, but he's certainly a guy that's going to have a, a lot of motivation behind himself coming in. Yeah, definitely. I, I can't agree with you more. One more thing. Ion Kudalaba versus Devin Clark added to May 1st UFC event. This is going to be a banger. I cannot wait. May 1st is going to be a, a night for light heavyweights. You know, you got Prochaska versus Reyes, the spelling bee champ. It's it's going to be something else May 1st. All right, you got anything else? Sir, uh, I do not. Sorry. All right. Nor do I. Thanks for tuning in. Um, yeah, we'll see you all later.